I'm Lee. I'm Spencer. And this is the Lasso Lowdown, where we give you the lowdown on all things Ted Lasso. This is a review podcast where we go episode by episode reviewing Apple Plus's series, Ted Lasso. We are on episode two, sweetly, I'm going to say sweetly, titled Biscuits <laughs> this week. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. different meanings there. Uh, really enjoyed this episode, Spencer. What'd you think of episode two? Well, I'm going to start with the title. Does bis- Could Biscuits... You know, you being a proper Southerner, will biscuits ever in your mind mean cookies or whatever the hell that he produces in this episode? Will you ever be able to accept that? No, no. Obviously, I think the, you know, the um, artery clogging things made with vegetable shortening and flour. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Damn straight. As for the episode, stellar. And this is one of the episodes that really hammers home the effect that Ted starts to have on people. And, um, I, and the positive version of Insidious. <laughs> That he can have a profound effect on people that just grows slowly over time. This is the first episode we really see that apparent, and it's great to see it play out. Absolutely. That ties into one of my Sports Center top 10, so that is a good segue into what our segments are going to be for this episode. We start with a recap. Spencer, that's right. Spencer, we'll leave the recap. Mm-hmm. I will chime in as needed. Then we will cut to our Sports Center top 10, where we discuss the top 10, more or less, things of the week that got on our radar. Then we will go to Train Wreck of the Week. Always a train wreck. Always a train wreck in a good episode of Ted Lasso. And then we will end up with Ted's Life Lessons of the Week. And if you had joined us for episode one, you know that, look, these aren't even sarcastic. These are just genuine life <laughs> lessons from Ted. We feel like we want to we end the podcast on a uplifting, solid note. And that is exactly what we do with that segment. Spencer, anything you want to add on segments? Well, I think we have a bit, uh, two additional trial segments that we're discussing this time to get into some new things we start to see this episode. Um Last episode, we found around that Ted has a kind of a, you know, a mortal despising of tea. So you thought it'd be a good idea to bring in some tea that Ted should try. Correct. So Ted, so I I established this in the first episode. I have never been the one. I am very much an American. I'm going to call it evidence of this. I'm going to call it soccer as we go through this, (laughs) this podcast. But I do like hot tea. I'm a big fan of the British tea, so uh, I think Ted needs to come correct with that. I think he Mm. just hasn't had the right kind of tea. So what am I going to do in this podcast? I'm going to give you a tea per episode. My episode this week, uh, or my tea this week for the episode is Taylor's of Harrogate Yorkshire Tea. You can find this typically in um, your local grocery store in the British house. So wherever they're selling like the Tea Time Biscuits. Or the Heinz beans, you know, not not the baked beans, but like the blue label Heinz beans. It's like the British version. That section um, is where you can find this tea called Yorkshire tea. It's got a big it's it's got a big red stripe down the the, the middle of the box. Uh, some of the other Yorkshire teas have like black or blue. This is the red version. I can tell you, little sugar Spencer hits the spot. Loving it. <laughs> Give us a good slurp for the radio. Yeah, there we go. Not the disgust, not the disgusting brown water that Ted Lasso says it is. So that is the tea of the week, Taylor's of Harrogate Yorkshire tea. Well done. The, the next new segment that we have is absolutely fitting with this episode. So in this episode, which we'll get to in the recap, but I'll go ahead and preview a little bit of the recap in that Ted starts bringing quote biscuits, really cookies, every morning. Uh, for the boss, he's biscuits with the boss. He calls mm-hmm. it great, 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 what a branding, great what a branding man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, because Ted brings something sweet every episode to his boss, Spencer, you're bringing something sweet to the podcast, isn't that right? 
I am, and I'm going to bring some, unlike Ted, I'm going to bring something new each week that we do this to try out. While you enjoy your tea, I enjoy my dessert, we make this podcast as cozy as we possibly can. For me, this time around, I baked some little mini blueberry muffins last night. They're quite good and I'm going to enjoy. And for something a little bit extra sweet, the simple dish of some whipped cream and some fresh sliced strawberries to enjoy as well. Wait a cotton-picking minute, Spencer. You baked those blueberry muffins yourself? I, I baked tiny little blueberry. <laughs> I'm actually going to tell you, if I was Ted, I would I would, I would have buried the lead about where, where they came from. But yes, I baked little tiny blueberry muffins last night. That is stunning to me. I have never heard you bake anything. I, I am a man of many complicated talents that I don't always choose to disclose until opportune moments. And this is this, one of them. This is why you're such a great co-host. You surprise me every episode, Spencer. <laughs> I did not see that one coming. I says, look, I'm, I'm sipping the Yorkshire tea. Spencer, eating a little strawberries whipped cream with some homemade blueberry muffins. We're ready to go with this episode. We are locked in. We've got it going. So before we jump into our segments, we review episode two of Ted Lasso. A little housekeeping. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, thank you. We really enjoy the fact that people enjoy it. That's kind of why we do it. Um, and and we really we really like hearing from you guys. And we like to see the podcast grow. And it is growing. Uh, from episode one, we see a, a number of people catching the podcast. So if you are listening, you're enjoying it. Please subscribe, rate, and review those things. I know you hear that from every podcast host. The reason you do is because it matters. That stuff uh, actually does move us up in the search results in whatever podcast platform you are operating in, and we'll grow our listenership. And the more listeners we have, the more fun we can make this. And if you are enjoying the podcast and you have any feedback at all, good, bad, indifferent, you have ideas for segments, you want to lambast Spencer for uh, terrible dessert choices, or you want to tell me my, uh, my tea of the week is awesome, whatever you want to give us, uh, we love the feedback. Please go to Mangum Talks. That's M-A-N-G-U-M, MangumTalks.com. Upper right-hand corner, click Contact Us. Uh, just shoot us a message. I promise you I'll read every single one. And if it's something that you know we can discuss on the podcast, we may bring it to the podcast. So you always have that option too. So please do that if you're enjoying it. We also have some other pods at MangumTalks.com. Uh, a lot of fun. We do Nevers More, which is a review of HBO's The Nevers. We do the GOT Got Questions podcast. It's a review of Game of Thrones. If you're doing a, an old school rewatch of Game of Thrones, we've got Mangum Reads, which is a digital book club. And we've got a new podcast called Mangum Talks, which is basically just the brain trust of Mangum Talks getting around and chatting. So you can find any of those podcasts in your podcast platform by searching Mangum Talks. All of them will pop up. They're a lot of fun. We enjoy doing this. Thanks for listening. And now we are going to jump into Ted Lasso, Episode 2, Biscuits. Spencer, you're leading the recap. Take it away. Well, we start off almost exactly where we ended last time. It's Ted in bed. Now, first thing first, Ted is a one-pillow man, meaning him and I will never see eye to eye, but I'll forgive him for that as best as I can. I cannot understand one-pillow people. He I'm also two-pillow guy all the way over here. Absolutely. Str- strong faith in that. He also gets to enjoy the UK, the UK equivalent of shredded wheat as his breakfast cereal and is clearly a bit caught off guard by what comes out of the box. One big piece of shred... Is that a thing? That is, is that a real? thing. That is how that is done in the UK. So you, when you buy like a box of shredded wheat, you get like four pieces? Yep. And you pour them out into the into the bowl and then the milk kind of melts them into something that's more digestible. And you kind of chop them a little bit. Wow. Really? Just one? Okay. All right. Who knew? It's a different way to do it. He enjoys his one cereal breakfast quite a bit, and him and Coach Beard then get up and go to work for the day. And I love the different mindset they each bring as they're going, as they're, as they're walking to the office, of whether the two poles of the kid on the first day of school, where Coach Beard is apprehensive and is pondering what he's going to need to do and what he's going to need to prepare, and Ted can barely contain his excitement. 
It's like a bottle rocket that someone's trying to lock into a box and it's just ready to pop out and explode. Do you know what today feels like? First day of school. Uh, two things I really like about this scene. One is that Beard meets him at his door. I yeah, mean, that's, what, a, that's what an assistant coach. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. And two is it, this is the quintessential London downtown where it really genuinely looks like an alley. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell if it's too mashed up, too small, can't get around, wouldn't like it, or how quaint, how cute. God, I would love to live there. I can't. I'm, I'm one side of this, and I can't figure out which side I'm on. You get a long life to live, man. Maybe there'll be a London period at some point in the future. We'll find out. Yeah, it, 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 it really looks exactly like, um, I guess, all of the sort of stereotypical like downtown London sets. I mean, and I wonder, Spencer, do you know? Do they shoot this on site? I don't actually know. Here's to look that up after we're doing this. Okay, I'll, I'll kind of do it as we go. Okay. One thing about Ted is that he is such the guy that, you know, Cinderella birds come land on his shoulder whenever he's walking about, just, you know, whistling a song as he goes. He immediately starts, you know, walking about the community, getting to know people, talking, seeing seeing how they're going about their days. He sees a busker playing with his guitar. Clearly not going to be relevant going forward. Ted Lasso just loves to introduce random characters that are never apparent, that are never important again. He gets to see a young girl playing football. And apparently he's quite good at it. We get to see that this is actually a community that Ted already wants to be a part of rather than just be a coach of a team um, a coach of a team that's in this community. We also get a good quote from him as he sees the girl kick, kick another student's ass. Sometimes the best way to stick it to a man is to go right between his legs. Good philosophy to live by. No girl's getting by me. And then she just whoop drops him. Easy crossed peasy. his ankles, broke his ankles. Let's get him let's get him into the ER. He's he's hurt. We cut to the stadium where we see Rebecca is doing a Google search about Rupert. Now, did you notice what the Google search hits are when she types in his name? Yeah, it's like Flander, like cheating, stuff what, like that. It, it's a collection of like very typical things you'd expect about a celebrity. Flander or cheating, height, weight, net worth. There's also a few extra ones buried in there, one of which was penis girth. Jesus, that's hilarious. Okay, I I can I just whoop going back Please. just a second. It is definitely shot on site. This is Good. this is not done in a studio. They they totally shoot this in the UK. As Ted walks in, immediately controlling the room, he presents our first episode of Biscuits with the Boss. Now, Biscuits with the Boss. You as a person who deeply appreciates desserts, what do you think of these particular cookies, and how would your reaction compare to Rebecca's? Okay, so. Um, they look extremely, extremely rich. You know what they look like? They look mm-hmm. like Southern butter cookies. Have you oh, ever had yeah. a Southern butter cookie? Oh, yeah. It looks like he makes very thick sheets of Southern butter cookies and cuts them into like little little slivers, like fingers. Mm-hmm. And that's what he gives to her. And that would actually be, like, I mean, what is he, where is he from, Kansas, right? Yeah. It would be 100% perfect to bring over like Southern butter cookies. And it would explain why Higgins has absolutely no idea where these came from, <laughs> who makes them, how they can, like it, it completely is over his head. Yeah. I'm, I'm dead on point with you. I wrote down that these are lady figures crossed with Southern butter cookies. That's what I have in my notes here. Mm-hmm. Per- perfect on. They look delicious, probably too rich for me, but man, Rebecca responds well to these. To the point we see later in the episode, they're what they're a food for her that trigger that kind of nostalgic flashback kind of moment. That, that that's how meaningful they are to her right away. Uh, Ted repeats that tea is garbage water and that nothing can be done about that, and he immediately starts to try to bond with Rebecca over the subject of first concert, best concert. Now, 
<laughs> Ted has aggressive answers to this question. One of the things we get out of this initial conversation between the two of them is that Ted can be a bit much in the early morning. Because the guy just starts at an 11. There's no warm-up with this guy. There's no morning coffee needed. Hell no. He's ready to go. He is ready to go, and if you are not ready, you will catch up if you damn well try. Wait a second, Spencer. So one of Ted's life lessons is that if you're working with somebody, you have to get close with them, right? That's what he's doing with Rebecca. I mean, you have to, I mean, you have to bond, right? So I think we have to play first concert, best concert right now, me and you. I mean, I think we have to do it in honor of Ted Lasso. So I'll go first. Okay. Um, first concert, Corn. That's right. Heavy metal band Corn. I had a phase. Um, best concert, Itzhak Perlman. By a mile. It's like Perlman, probably one of the best musicians of our last hundred years. Okay. Your well, turn. I'm doing a recap, so I don't have time for this right now, but maybe we'll talk tomorrow when we totally don't do Biscuits with the Boss again. Um, I wouldn't bet on that unless you want to win a boatload of money. <laughs> we'll come back to this point later on once he actually comes back to it. Uh, we see that um, Ted, as you know, is really trying to much bond with Rebecca. He brings up the point later. And it seems like that she's... Very much non-responsive to it. She directly rebuffs him, but I don't think he's in any way dissuaded at all by her showing any measure of resistance to his efforts. He has a goal and a clear intent of of eventually beating down her barriers. 100%. Agreed. We see that... um, We we, we cut down to Ted and Beard watching the uh, team at training. We also get to see one of the one of their favorite recurring games that they do is that the two of them just love wordplay games. They will constantly be wrestling, uh, referencing wordplay games at every moment <laughs> you see the two of them alone just thinking to themselves. And so from the first ones we get is, uh, I, I didn't write down what, what led to it, but the end result is, got the boot for putting boots in the boot. Yeah, so basically... Beard informs Ted that the cleats are called boots. And then Ted says, well, wait a second. I thought the trunk of a car was a boot. And he says, well, if I were to get fired from my job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car, you got it. You got the boot from putting the boots on the boot. I love this game that they play. I love word games, period. And I love how much fun they have doing it. I also love that Ted consistently works to defy Beard what the actual answer is at the end of every game that they play. But Ted starts to now actually be a coach of this team. He starts proposing drills, the exorcist. He starts watching them play. <laughs> he is so funny. He's like casually funny. Yes. Calling it the exorcist really got me laughing. <laughs> One of the first things he noticed is that um, Jamie picks on Sam quite a bit. And insults yep. Roy as he goes about things too. And that yep. Sam is clearly struggling to a certain degree. And so he offers one of his first bits of wisdom to players as he pulls Sam over after Sam is clearly having a bit of a hard time at training. His wisdom is, what is the happiest animal on Earth? A goldfish. Why is it the goldfish, Lee? Got a 10-second memory. This is a goldfish, Sam. How would you describe Sam's response to that? Um, Doesn't quite know. It's, It's interesting, though, because, like, when he said this, I thought, I because I, I've followed I've followed a lot of sports I've watched a ton of sports movies I've been in locker rooms I've played sports I thought it was a, actually a really good coach moment like I mean it, it, it seems it might seem silly to somebody from the outside but that's actually a really good message to give to a player and so like I I was like all in and and Sam seemed a little baffled he didn't seem to get it and I was kind of like come on Sam like catch up this was actually a good coaching moment yeah. but it, if anything it just kind of tells me just what a shit coach their prior one was. This isn't out of left field. This is very much a classic encouraging coach kind of line. And the fact that Sam is just legitimately baffled by it and doesn't even know how to register it 
doesn't say good things about what kind of like coach and support he's had really going into this moment. Very good point. Yep. Uh, it's also totally not true, just to reference that for those that are playing the home game. Goldfish actually can be trained and actually can have multi-month memories. I, but it's a common lie. Uh, we get... Um, well, what animal does have the shortest memory that if it's not a goldfish? Hard to say. There's a lot of animals out there in the world, and certain animals, as far as we can tell, don't have any intellectual capability at all. But goldfish, very specifically, it's been tested for. Hell, even Mythbusters tested that. And they very much can be trained to remember colors and puzzles and mazes. It's just I've, a always, co- I've always heard koalas were stupid. Koalas are dumb as goddamn hell. Maybe we can say, be a koala. <laughs> <laughs> Print the t-shirts. Mangum talks on the back. Get, be a koala. Be, be, be lazy, but for some reason eat poisonous food because you're so damn lazy you don't want to look for alternatives. Be a koala. With syphilis. Chl- chlamydia, but yeah, same one. That's the one. <laughs> uh, we we get to an idea of dis- we we get to, we get a start of, of where Ted is starting to pull Nate over to really ask Nate for some bit of advice about how the players work, including yeah. discussing the idea of Sam, and that Sam has been come over from the Nigerian League and is consistently unachieved while he's been there, and the pondering of advice about what best they can do about that. Uh, we cut to Rebecca and Higgins, and they are discussing Ted and how he is the worst person ever because he's relentless and he's nice and the players love him. And Higgins also went to Boy George as his first concert, so let's not forget that too. Yep, yep. I'm routing back for the question for you, but I also like um, that she's watching the Go Lasso, Go Lasso, Go, Go yeah. Lasso. I'm enjoying that. Uh, <laughs> and then she, she actually looks at that and she's like, it's the one thing that could just muck this up. So I think that the, the implication there is that Rebecca's starting to understand, okay, this guy presents as a bit of adult, but just like we did in episode one, she's starting to figure out, hold on, there, there's a little, there's a charm about him that could really screw my plan up here. And it's very interesting, too, to see how the players even... Re- uh, it's dead on point for the concerns that she's having. One thing that's interesting is when the players return, or they, they, uh, they leave training or coming back into the locker room, how many of them take the time to greet Rebecca and say, hi, how you doing? Versus how many just ignore the fact that Higgins even exists. Still, respectful on the players' part that they acknowledge her. Uh, Rebecca basically but just... that's not the locker room that Ted wants, right? Absolutely not. He does not like that sort of like, you know, you don't see the person who's lower on the totem pole. That is anathema to Ted. And it's factoring into the same degree of disrespect that the players have for Nate. Uh, Rebecca gives Higgins two missions. Point number one, find out which player has the most sway over the team, to which Higgins is utterly useless. Rebecca recognizes it right away. Well, let's pause. Who do you think that is? Roy. I do too. Yeah, I think it's Roy. And that shouldn't be a hard call. Yeah, I think captain. Yeah, and I mean, I think even if you've, I mean, we've obviously watched the whole season, but like, even if you've only just watched up till now, I still think you'd think it's Roy, right? Because he's the one that, when things start to get a little sideways, he barks and everybody kind of stiffens up. Oh, yeah. As we saw last episode, the man threatens to punch dicks, people get quiet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Recognizing he's going to fail for that mission, she sets him on a second goal, find out where these biscuits came from. Spoiler. Higgins has very little luck over the course of this episode in that regard. Higgins going to have to go to Mississippi to figure that one out. We we see now in the locker room, Ted is setting strategy for playing their first game against Crystal Palace. Remember, in joke, they were actually this was actually filmed inside Crystal Palace's stadium and locker room. Pretty funny. And doesn't he uh, doesn't he like make a, a 
a snide comment. No, this is that's later when he makes a snide comment about Crystal Palace. He makes a great snide comment about Crystal Palace later, but we'll come to that. Uh, he doesn't really have much of a game plan. His game plan is essentially just do what you did last time because you kicked their last last time, so that should work, and they're fast along the outside. It's a really limited kind of game plan. They're clearly not trying to rock the boat much, at least at this stage. So we do a lot of hyping Ted up. We love Ted, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think we do have to like be real for a second and say that like one of Ted's major limitations that so far he has made no strides to overcome is the X's and O's of the game. Because at some point he, or maybe Beard, but definitely one of the two, are going to have to understand the X's and O's. Like this, this thing of walking out there and being like, all right, guys, try your best, ain't going to fly. Yeah, at this point, Ted's being more of a life coach than he is being a sports coach. And that can get him so far, but eventually, as you said, he's going to need to learn how the mathematics of the game actually work. And sure. at least at present, we've seen that he's put in very little effort in that regard. That is uh, that is a bit of a mark against Ted, I should say. Yeah, it is, for sure. Um, one thing that he is bringing forward, though, and this is factoring the life coach thing, is that he doesn't feel comfortable right now changing how they play soccer. But he is aiming to make their lives easier and address whatever concerns they have. And so he brings out the prettiest suggestion box that has ever graced a locker room of a major sporting team. As yeah. Nate, Nate and his niece prepared. It is a it is a dream of a thing. And we get a, lo- we get a lovely little, uh, line from Ted where that uh, when Nate reveals that him and his niece prepare these things in their off time, oh, I love glimpses into your personal life, Nate. <laughs> Great line. Uh, so I would just like to say that, like, I have... I've worked like in a like a corporation, like yeah. a like a over billion dollar like in the in the machine, right? I have worked in that in my life, mm-hmm. and I can tell you that the absolute classic first first thing out of the gate move for new executives is this move. It's the, the open box. line. It's the yeah. anonym. It's the anonymous email account that you can send your your thoughts to. It's the open line. Uh, I've seen this move from so many new exec. It's like textbook. It's, like it's he's got it out of like textbook. a management 101 book. Yes. It, it is the classic open the door. I'm here for you to hear your concerns. I want to start fresh and address any problems you've had. It's, you know, basic, but it is a good foundational way to get your foot in the door. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just no. a it's just a classic move. How well does Roy respond to this idea? Because Roy is the only person that directly comes to Ted after he did this. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, uh, it, it's not well. Yeah, not not good. Uh, what I can't—I'm fumbling with the line, but he basically is like, uh, you know, basically you're worried about the damn suggestion box, and we're getting our ass kicked. We've we've lost like three out of four or something. Yeah, and you're worried about the suggestion we're, box. You're an idiot. We're the middle of the table, which not great. We're already mediocre anyway. We've lost three of the four, and you're you're curious whether the snacks are tasty enough. Roy is clearly pissed. Jamie, Jamie walks up. Jumps in not. and says, they're not. They need to be addressed. And, <laughs> they are not. And, and you can tell that Ted's happy about this. Like, yes, I have a problem that I can fix right now. Uh, we, get, we cut to a scene of, this is just a moment I live in my life constantly, of Ted holding the door for Rebecca when he saw her down the end of the hallway and holding it way too goddamn long. I do that all the damn time. Okay, let me, let me give a lesson here from Uncle Lee. <clears throat> In order to save yourself from holding the door for way too long when somebody's way down the hall, mm-hmm. you have got to prep. You, this this requires planning. So mm-hmm. you have to break eye contact unnaturally like faster than you normally would. Because <clears throat> if you're still looking at the person when you open the door, you're stuck. You got to keep the yeah. door open. 
But if you've broken that eye contact and basically said, all right, good, see you, bang, turn your head, mm-hmm. beat, 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 then you're then you're free. Open the right. door, close the door. You, you've entered That's a you new world. You've yeah, entered a new world. the eye contact. Yeah. Good strategy <laughs> in life right there. <laughs> Ted does not do that, though. Ted is intentionally holding the door for Rebecca because the man is a gentleman to an excessive degree, I suppose. It's a long time to wait, Ted. They, they have a brief chat on the subject of how his first day went. Ted's kind of sanguine on the subject of it. He basically says, I don't know what the smallest unit of measurement you have is, but that's about as much progress as I made today. Yet so, you are undeterred. Can you, I don't know what the list of things that would deter Ted is. We're going to find a couple over the course of this series, but clearly nothing of what happened today is on that list. No. Mm-mm. We get one of the more interesting discussions as Keeley zooms up Hell an entrance, the way she, way she runs. Oh, gold medal. Award the gold medal. Put her on the podium. Keely Jones gets the gold medal of the week with the best question anybody has asked the entire episode. Lion versus panda. Lando. <laughs> she just strolls out of this sports car. No context. Serious concern on her face. Mm-hmm. Hey, would you rather be a panda or a lion? That's a person I, I want to hang out with. Uh, absolutely. Rebecca, on the other hand, does not know how to deal with this person or this thing and just kind of starts walking away. Ted, on the other hand, not put off at all. He is ready to answer this question. And his aggressive answer is Panda. Panda is the obvious choice. We get to see a bit of a different side of Rebecca when she hears this, because Rebecca has a different view, a angry different view, that it is obviously Lion, and anyone who would say otherwise is an idiot. Lee, I've got to ask, Lion or Panda? panda it's panda Um, it's obviously panda panda. i don't look here's the thing being a lion yeah are you more badass yeah obviously you are Mm -hmm. but that's a stressful life it's a stressful life having to be the king of the jungle having to be like ready to fight somebody you know who's coming up behind you in the pack right who's who wants to be the head of the pride i mean i saw the lion king it's not easy i mean you got to go in a couple (laughs) years of isolation out with a warthog and a meerkat yeah just to come back to try to take over for your 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 crazy uncle i mean it's a tough life being a lion panda however i've seen kung fu panda that seemed fun yeah i'm going with panda there was a lot of eating there was martial arts there was jack black it was awesome it worked out great Meanwhile, if you're doing the lion thing, you got to read Hamlet to even know what your stage directions are. It, it Clearly, it's not a life you want to lead. I do want to point something out, though, is that this scene, I felt like, was a great uh, encapsulation of the Rebecca experience. Yeah. Which is, which is, I'm too good for this. I'm over this. I'm, I'm above everything. But then tips her hand and shows, actually, no. She really enjoys these conversations. She enjoys getting in the muck with the guys. And she's actually going to end up being good at this thing if she just lets herself do it. If she's had to put up so many barriers to protect herself from the constant sniping of the rest of the world, there's so little of an opportunity to just let down her hair and just be a regular person again, the way that she used to be in the past. The way she used to be when she was happy. And this is the first hint that she and Keeley are going to be best bros later on in the season. She does drop this line, what's black and white and red all over? A panda that gets anywhere near a fucking lion. Great line. <laughs> she she goes to her car, Jamie walks up, and is asked the same question, and has the single best response ever, ever to that question. <laughs> Coach, I'm me. Why would I want to be anything else? To which so Ted responds, I'm not, sure how you real, I'm not sure you realize how psychologically healthy that actually is. To which Jamie just kind of nods and acknowledges and just walks off. What a funny scene. That is a hilarious scene. It's a great scene. To which Keely and Ted immediately look after Jamie and go, Lion, 
absolutely lying. No debate yeah, in your mind's lying. He's a lying for sure. Rebecca's watching on, though, as we get to see that Ted and Keely have already developed a good, friendly rapport. And as she's looking on at this, as they're kind of being playful with each other, you can just see in her eyes that she has found a new thing to weaponize. We cut to the pub. This is another funny scene of where uh, Ted and Beard are discussing both Sam's stats, Sam's birthday as a way of potentially improving his overall feeling of belonging in this new community that he's living in, and then they go through the suggestion box. And, uh, well, it's helpful in maybe a way they didn't fully anticipate, or maybe should have anticipated, and that 90% of the suggestions in the box are simply wanker. Which Ted doesn't know what that means. Wanker? Piss off. I hope you choke on a Big Mac. Good thing these things are anonymous. No, Roy signed that one. I love that. I love that Roy, like, big John Hancock signed. <laughs> hope you choke on a Big Mac. It's, it sounds like Roy, too. It sounds like Roy, and I love Beard's response to it, too. It's just go, oh, Roy. It's like they're hurt by this. One thing I like about Roy is when he, when he decides to insult Ted, he mm-hmm. also wants to insult America at the same time. It's like a double punch every time. Y- yeah. He needs to, he needs Ted to fully understand. It's not just you. There are other things at play that offend me about your presence. Uh, the old lady bar owner shows up to provide a little bit of helpful advice about what the hell a wanker is, to which Ted thanks her because he's a visual learner, and that was very helpful. And we then cut to a Beard and Ted walking through the neighborhood. Again, it really seems like Ted wants to get an actual feel for the community that he's in. It seems like he's that kind of coach that doesn't just view himself as just running a team. He's running a team for a community, and he wants to be able to learn a little bit more about them. We get the second of their word games. Did you write down what this one was? Because I did write down this one. Uh, No, what is it? Uh, What if I join forces with a swashbuckling cat cat to play tiny guitars for women of the night as we read Alex Haley's most seminal work? (laughs) You'd be in cahoots with Puss in Boots playing lutes for prostitutes reading Roots. To which Ted actually corrects him. No, he meant the autobiography of Malcolm X. But, you know, details. The same student uh, shows up that uh, Ted saw kicking ass earlier. And Ted, this time, tries to play her and gets his ass kicked. But it's very apparent that they're both having a blast. She is, too. She's laughing and having fun with him. Yeah, great. The man's starting to have a connection with the community. It's taking time. There's only so much, but but it's a start. We then get to uh, biscuits with, with our second round of Biscuits with the Boss. This time Higgins is there, uh, to, who tries to leave, to which we get the very weird line from Ted, uh, where Higgins says, I know three's a crowd, which Ted apparently likes to be smack in the middle of, to which Higgins has no idea what to make of that line, because that can be interpreted in all kinds of ways. Strange line. It's a bit of a strange line. Uh, Rebecca tries to push him on the subject of where the biscuits came from. He disagrees. Uh, he, re- he refuses, saying that if he does so, uh, he, uh, he won't be able to keep, continue to bring him to her and continue Biscuits with the Boss. He reveals what his best concert was, Beastie Boys, good choice. And first concert. Hmm? First concert, Kenny Rogers. First concert was Kenny Rogers, very much so. Uh, Rebecca's, I believe, was both Spice Girls for both, right? So that was Spice Girls for both. <laughs> yep. Decent call. Uh, Rebecca's clearly still resisting uh, the idea of in any way bonding with Ted. She wants to keep those barriers between, you know, man- between ownership and management. But Ted's not having it. And he says in his... This is one of the lines of where it's still Ted talking like Ted, but you can see how forceful it is when he's saying it, that from his point of view, we're a team, you're part of the team too. And the only way this works is if we all start to bond to a certain degree to make us a team. 
And he says in a way that it's the still light ring of Ted, but with a bit of, this is not a point that he's willing to compromise on. Um, he also indicates that the biscuits with a boss thing isn't just reserved for Rebecca. He and, he and uh, Higgins are doing salads later. Uh, to which Higgins offers the immortal line of Caesar you later, to which Ted's response is glorious, for he charges back through like he needs to kick down a door like a fireman to express just how good that line was. <laughs> he's, he, like, he's a linebacker as he busts back into the door. Yes. 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 Well, I mean, but from Ted's perspective, he's being very consistent here, right? Like, hey, look, that's the type of bonding I'm looking for here with the salads, with the joking. We're mm. coming up with jokes here. This is great. Rebecca, take notes. Couple things here. One is Ted does offer that um, you know if she has a problem with him barging in there, he could moonwalk in there. Mm-hmm. And despite recent headlines, it's still a fun dance move. Agree with Ted. They're a hundred percent. Everybody keep moonwalking. And then somehow in his explanation of his best concert, which is the Beastie Boys, he fumbles into a what is going to be obviously a very long story that starts with, "Did y'all get the OJ trial over here?" Just, I mean. <laughs> Tour de force here from Ted in this conversation. I would have loved to have seen where that conversation was going to end. I wanted yeah. to find out more. What conversation starts on that point? What a setup. Yeah, my best, my best. Oh, Beastie Boys. That was like, what, 96? Did y'all get the OJ trial over here? Where the fuck was that going? <laughs> Don't know. Uh, among the suggestions that we, we saw Ted get that he actually valued, there was, the be- there was you know better snacks. The other one he got was the water pressure is shit. And Ted, looking to fix what problems that he feels comfortable fixing right now, immediately goes to check that out and determines that someone needs to check the prostate on the water pumps because, dear God, are they just dribbling. We also see that he, with the team, is planning a birthday party for Sam. And again, Ted wants bonding. He wants all the team involved in this. It's not just that he's going to coordinate something. He wants everybody to participate. And so Nate has once again prepared an incredibly impressive box. for which. Great box. It's with a mouth. You put the cash inside the mouth. All the team should contribute. Everybody seems on board, except for Jamie. Jamie decides to instead put spearmint gum in the box, while also just kind of giving Nate a little piss-off insult. This is one of the first times we see Ted directly confront Jamie over what he just did, to which Jamie's pretty damn unrepentant about it. He basically just says, eh, we're the Rolling Stones, you know, I'm Mick Jagger, Everybody, everybody else is just, is just backup players in this band. Basically, is what he's saying. Also makes fun of Roy for basically wearing his sweater when he goes to the bathroom because Roy is one hell of a hairy man. Hairy man. Got that. So Jamie's got basically that just natural sweater. Jamie's basically just m- mocking everybody. He actually, refers to Roy as Keith Richards, which is funny too, given Roy's age age comparison. He's openly mocking everybody. He's openly showing a complete lack of respect for either his team, the coach, the, ma- the, the staff, anybody. It's what Jamie runs on. He offers a token apology, but it's clear that he views himself as too cool for school. We cut to a press conference, and if you want to talk about most improved moments of the episode compared to last one, would you say this has got to be up there in terms of how much better Ted handles this one uh, as compared to his first foray? Yeah, absolutely. Way better. He gets a great line on Crystal Palace of where... uh, Did you write down what the line was? I don't don't have it here. Basically, it's the, the... a palace of crystals is pretty crappy or something like that. Pretty, know, pretty, like pretty that. fragile or something like that. Um, clear that he's a lot more comfortable handling the press with preparation. We see uh, Trent Krim, the Independent, Independent. <laughs> uh, try to catch Ted up about lack of soccer dollars, same way that he did last time, by asking him, 
Can you explain to me how the offsides rule works? To which Ted's response is genius. It's a genius way of dodging this question, because clearly he doesn't know. A lot of people that play the game don't know. I've watched a lot of soccer in my life. I still don't completely understand offsides. It is not easy to grasp. Mm -hmm. And so instead, he refers to a U.S. Supreme Court decision, Jacob Ellis versus Ohio, and the concurring opinion of Justice Potter Stewart. Ted's got knowledge about same ways with obscenity, same way with pornography. Can't define it, but I recognize it when I see it. That is just a brilliant way of brushing off that question that immediately gets the room laughing for the second time. Rather than laughing at him, this is the second joke of which they're directly vibing with him when it comes to this kind of thing. Oddly enough, a bit of trivia for that decision. Though it's one of the most quoted Supreme Court opinions, again, that was the concurring decision. Wasn't the majority decision. In fact, though it's one of the most important decisions in terms of defining First Amendment protections on pornography and obscenity, there actually was no majority opinion. There were six different opinions that no more than two justices agreed to. So it's one of the decisions... Seems apropos of pornography, right? Nobody can agree on it. I think that's kind of why Justice Stewart offered that concurring opinion, just to kind of say, hey, look at everybody above me, including the plurality opinion. None of us know, but we all kind of have a feel for it. Spencer, you've watched soccer. Do you understand the offside rule completely? I played soccer for five years, and I still would struggle to explain it to you. There you go. Yeah, it's very confusing. Uh, we get a third question from somebody we've not seen before, and Ernie Louds of The Sun, to which I love that the room just goes, oh. Ooh, yeah, this fucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he doesn't have a question for Ted. He has a question for Rebecca. And this question is about Rupert's newest girl. She rebuffs it. It's like, I, I don't care who he's dating. But no, 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 no. It's not who he's, it's not who his newest girl that he's dating is. It's the newest revelation about who else he was cheating on you with. Another mistress has been revealed. Rebecca is clearly caught off guard by this. She clearly doesn't know how to handle this question. She hasn't prepared for it. She tries to laugh it off and ultimately does successfully, but you get that wonderful moment of where the cameras just start flashing and you just see all the pain in her. She's just trying to diligently hold together. Of where, again, she's exposed and vulnerable in front of the media, and she doesn't have an immediate pithy response to offer. She recovers, but it's clearly a moment of vulnerability to which she immediately exits stage left after that question is done. All this time I thought Ben couldn't multitask. <laughs> it's a funny line, but... It's strong. It's very strong. It, it, given that she was caught off guard, particularly. But she exits things. Even before Ted's really comfortable for things to end, she calls it quits. Uh, she pretty much just runs off to her office to immediately read news articles about it. Because that's yep. how just shook she is by this. And Ted, good guy that he is, follows her right away. No other purpose other than to check in. He's got a big box that looks like a package I would wrap in terms of the quality of just the shipping that this thing was brought was, was sent. You have sent me I... packages before. It looked very similar. It, yes. This clearly, his son clearly trained in the same school I did for wrapping packages. But he's just come to check on her, knows that was rough, knows that guy's a dick. And he just kind of with her, and oddly enough, she seems kind of responsive to it. He just starts going through the things that his son sent him. It's a big pack of army men. Everybody needs a big pack of army men. I think we would agree. Yeah, for sure. It is a homemade kazoo. It is Kansas City. Only got one of these. You can't have that. Yeah, gaps. Yeah, and it is Kansas City barbecue sauce. The best <laughs> barbecue sauce in Kansas City. I wanted to ask you, because this is a recurrent point. We've got Texas barbecue sauce. We got North Carolina barbecue sauce. We got Kansas City barbecue sauce. There are any varieties of barbecue sauce in this nation. 
Ted is clearly in the Kansas City camp. Do you have a favorite, sir? Yeah, I mean, it, well, it depends on what you're making, right? Because Absolutely. Um, if you're making pulled pork or any any sort of long-cooked uh, fatty pieces of meat that you then chop, so you can do it with with, uh, with beef. Some people do it with smoked chicken. Mm-hmm. But most often it's done with pulled pork. It's the eastern North Carolina vinegar-based barbecue mm-hmm. sauce that has just a touch of peppers in it that's my favorite. Now, if you're doing ribs, I do like a dry rub rib, but if you're doing like a wet rib, I mean, I think St. Louis style is the best. It's much, much sweeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you get into like brisket, um, I think that's when you that's that's when Texas really shines because it's it's similar to the St. Louis style barbecue sauce in that it's sweet, but it also has a little bit of heat, which also does very well with the brisket. So depending on the type of meat, uh, it is depending on the type of barbecue sauce that you want. Absolutely agree. I was pondering this myself, and I realized I have never actually had Kansas City barbecue sauce before. I have no concept of what it even tastes like. Uh, it's fa- it's like when you think of like traditional like barbecue sauce, right? You go to McDonald's, right? You get barbecue sauce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's a derivative of St. Louis style barbecue sauce. So kind of a, a the generic barbecue sauce taste kind of thing? Exactly. Very sweet. Uh, okay. I mean, it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be more complex. It's going to be better when you go to like a, course, an actual yeah. legit St. Louis, but it's, it's a derivative of that. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. For, from Ted's perspective, this is the food that just transports him back home, makes him feel all warm and fuzzy. The moment of taste that barbecue sauce, he feels like he's right back in the womb. He asks Rebecca whether she has any equivalent, and she just, probably not even intentionally, just stares right at the cookies. Just immediately her eyes <laughs> go right there. She yep. denies it while still staring at the cookies, but yep. it should be apparent to even Ted what exactly is going on there. Did you? Yeah. So speaking of Rebecca's love for the cookies, do you notice the first time she ate those that she she did not want to eat them? Mm -hmm. It was awkward. It was awkward because she was eating while staring another man in the face. Like she was staring Ted in the eyes while she was eating, which is a very very strange thing to do. But inch by inch, could not stop herself Mm -hmm. from the cookie going in the mouth. I thought that was a very telling moment. Now we, you know, because now, you know, Ted obviously always trying to connect with people, always trying to figure out, you know, what is the, what is the, what is the angle here where I can be a friend? He got it right there in that moment when she could not help herself, but put that cookie in her mouth. Rebecca likes sweets. Boom. Ted files it away. He has found a new thing. Biscuits with the boss is now a thing. The, uh, little bit of trivia. The actress, uh, Hannah Waddingham that plays Rebecca, Mm-hmm. She says that the bit of acting she's most proud of in all of the show Jeez. was pre- appearing to look like she enjoyed those cookies. Really? Appa- apparently, they were abject shit. They were just little production cookies they brought in or whatever else. They were not the stellar things that were being, being framed to be. How hard is it to give her good cookies? I know. I'm hoping next season they actually give her decent cookies because she just said they were horrible. So faking how much she enjoyed them, she's going to put on her resume as just quality acting achievements. You think she took a bite and went, shame. Just kidding, everybody. (laughs) Very possible, yes. Just kidding, everybody. Uh, Ted turns to her and has a a bit of a moment of vulnerability for him. He says, hey, I actually need your help with something. I need advice on Jamie. You've been here longer. Do you have any advice to give him? She rebuffs the question at first. And then suddenly the evil gears in her head tick, start tick, spinning. Tick, 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 tick. Yep. And it's such a visible, you know, clinking of gears that Ted immediately notices. And go, ah, you got an idea. You got an idea. And she gives him good advice. Like legitimately good advice. Talk to Keely. She dates him. She knows him. She knows how he works. But it's loaded advice because she knows how she can wield this in her favor. That's the thing. Like every insidious thing that Rebecca does 
has this veneer of being good. Like, like this is actually pretty good advice, but it's like, it's obviously a shivin, you know, uh, Ted. Absolutely. Uh, and, and also like just the, the Ted Lasso hire to begin with, you know, it has this veneer of, Hey, fresh blood, bringing in somebody new, different perspective on the sport. You know, you can sell it a million ways, which we saw her do in that first press conference. Mm -hmm. But obviously there's a shiv impact, you know, on the backside where she's really just trying to like set him up to fail and and ruin the the team. One thing I like about it is it it both shows just how brilliant she is in terms of going about these efforts. But I also like that the fact that they're clever, the fact that they've got, you know, a veneer of cordiality attached to them with the, you know, latent intent blow, it doesn't make her opponent, Ted, look like an idiot. Because so many, so many other shows or so many other materials, as part of doing the insidious plot, for there to be a reveal later in the season, the hero just has to be constantly ignorant of it, despite how damn obvious it is. This time around, it's not apparent because she's actually giving him good advice and she's burying what her evil actual twist at the end is behind many, many layers and behind many other, other secondary figures that she can you know put the blame on. So Very well it said. Makes me also appreciate Ted more from that perspective too. She gets, he gets this advice, and he leaves her a single present. He looks through the bag, he pulls out the best army man, and I don't know about you, if you had army men as a kid, there is always a best army man. Certain pose that always is the best. He gets it, he sets it down on her table, and says, this is going to be your first line of defense if Ernie Louds ever shows up again. And she briefly tries to reject it, but eventually just tolerates it, and he leaves. But then she kind of stares down at it, and she doesn't put it away, she doesn't knock it away. It sits there at the edge of her desk. And it's going to be important. It's going to be important again. Come later. Best army man position. Gun up. Eye on the scope. Firing position. Oh, best army man. position. You are a man 100%. after man after my heart. Damn straight. That is the best army man position. Uh, once I once I never liked as much. Once with the guys on like the phone or something or on the radio. Never on the phone. Well. On a, taking a knee. No, yeah. I'm good with that. Absolutely. Not. I like the guy firing. Uh, we cut to Ted, who decides to immediately go find out where Keely is. Goes <laughs> right to her. Man no delay. As she's engaging in an ad for caffeinated vodka that looks the most awkwardest shit thing I've ever seen in a long damn time. Of where she, in vaguely lion-ish attire, is petting a full green screen man. Full green screen suit, which you presume, I guess, is, you know, a lion that is next to her. So this is where she got the question, right? She was yeah. setting up for the photo shoot, and there was a there was a panda, there was a lion. <laughs> mm-hmm. She very wisely decided to not go with Ted's advice and went lion because looking at the panda outfit, not the most flattering. The, the, it it's definitely wouldn't have worked out as well for her. She as said is apparently selling caffeinated vodka, which sounds like the worst idea ever. Yeah, for Uncle Lee out here to the kids, uh, have your caffeine, then have your vodka. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna just gonna offer a little bit of advice. Don't mix them. What? Which was the one that they banned when we were like, you know, sophomores? Was it Four Loco or something? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Four Loco, yeah. And it was like it was basically like um, energy drink, but like the super high end energy drink that has like creatine and all that crap in it. That's like really bad for you. Like Jones your heart, and then a bunch yeah. of alcohol in it too. So yeah, Uncle Lee out here to all the kids. Caffeine first. Maybe take a take a take a little break, then do your vodka. Yeah, eventually, one of the things that protects you from alcohol is your ability to fall asleep. And if you can't do that, it's not good. You're just going to keep hurting yourself or just keep feeling like shit. Not good. Bad, bad move. And Keely seems to know it, too, because she's very derisive when she says, ca- <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm selling caffeinated vodka. Like, she's ugh, bad idea. This is below me, but, you know, it's fun. She makes a hell of a living doing it. She and Ted decide to go have lunch in part because she's wearing giant fur hands and can't eat for herself. She kind of needs Ted to help her here. 
They have what look to be pretty damn tasty burgers that look like they're on nice, nice good buns. Good for them. Most unrealistic thing about the show. But she's having a burger right she's now? She's eating a burger. This model is like, yeah, what do I eat on my normal lunch? A cheeseburger. Bullshit. Yeah. Oh. Hell, I'm, I'm amazed that the, the production crew would even let that be near the near the, the shoot. They, they would have probably banned that. They had to have area. something he could feed her. Yeah. But, I mean, un, completely unrealistic. She Okay, look at it this way. She's getting in the mindset of a lion. She's She wants to feel the lion, to live the lion. So she's got to eat red meat. It's part of the experience. Or we could we could write the show for him, right? We could say, okay, well, why do they have burgers? Well, she said, hey, Ted, go pick me up something. What does Kansonian Ted go get? Burgers. Oh, the only hamburgers and there, yeah. Perfectly possible, except <laughs> it also would be, also be perfectly realistic that if he got that, damn straight is she going to eat that damn thing. Yeah. Uh, they discuss, as they're enjoying burgers and having fun together, they discuss what Jamie's motivations are. Her first suggestion of the things that motivate Jamie is not something that scores that well with Ted, because... Blowjobs are not something he's readily willing to perform as a coach for this team. Fair. I think that's not fair. Yet. Not yet. Not no. lost enough yet. <laughs> In his words, um, is there a second option? It's like, he's not writing it off. But is there one I can go to first? Maybe if we get relegated, right? Yeah. We, we go down the league, yeah, then I'll open it up. Because so, the kid's going to be a star. He's trying to get him involved in team building. But Keeley has a good suggestion. He responds well to positive reinforcement. This registers well with Ted. It's something that he's something he thinks he can use. We see, though, that as they're enjoying a pleasant moment, they're feeding each other burgers, they're wiping things off. Perfectly innocent. But man, from a few select pictures from a photographer, it can look like the worst thing ever. And Rebecca has arranged for a photographer to take pictures of just that. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like, it's, it's kind of weird to feed her. And then it's even weirder to be like, oh, let me get this ketchup off you. Like, I, look, Ted, nice guy. He means nothing by it. He means not a thing I would do. And that's one of the things I want to emphasize. Ted means absolutely nothing. And as we see later in the season, Keely doesn't appear to mean anything by it. She's just naturally really kind of flirty. She is, yeah. It, yeah. So, it's, it's perfect for those two characters, that moment. It's just not a thing I would ever do. Well, and that, that's what makes it all the worse for the pictures. Because pictures there without context, without knowing the two of them, mm. two of them are totally on a, on a date and getting ready to snog later. That's what they're about to do. Mm, snog. Absolutely. Uh, we cut back to the locker room, and they're preparing for Crystal Palace. Once again, they have no new game plan at all. Just do what you did last time and pay attention to the fact they're really fast along the outside. It's clear that they still really haven't gotten a firm handle hold on what they actually need to do to coach a, a football team yet. But one thing they do have a, a much better control over is it is time for Sam's birthday. They throw him... What is a delightful little surprise? It there is a cake, there are balloons, there it's are awesome. all kinds of little gifts, including ones directly back from Nigeria that he enjoyed when he was a kid. Because I think there's other Nigerian members of the team. Um, it is clear that they're bringing some home to him, and it is just great. You can just see this is clearly Sam looking happier than any moment we've seen him over the course of these two episodes, far and away. He clearly feels probably for the first time that he's been there, that he actually belongs, that his teammates care about him. This is a home run for Ted and his objectives. He also tries to do one additional thing that worked well on Rebecca. He offers Sam an army man. And he explains that, you know, missing my son. This is something we always enjoyed together. I want to give you this just so you, you know, feel like you're at home, whatever else. And, you know, Sam says, oh, my, my dad used to pinch my earlobes for good luck. 
Jamie's an insufferable prick and starts making fun of the two of them behind them, but at least has the good grace to apologize for a half second when he does so. And then Sam, this is, again, a, a moment of just saying how, Sam is, how far Sam has come from, from even just the moment with the goldfish, which he didn't understand. He clearly appreciates what Ted is trying to do with the army man, but still says, I'm going to hand this back to you right now. Is it okay if I don't keep this, Coach? I don't have the same fondness for the American military that you do. Oh, oh, the imperialism? The, the imperialism. Yeah, imperialism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. But it's a fun moment, because even though it doesn't land, it does land. The gift... Yeah, exactly. It works. The, the gift is irrelevant. The fact that he gave it and explained it is just perfect. Um, so we cut down... We, we now go to the field. The announcers, who are actually are... It's Arlo White and Chris Powell. They are actually real announcers. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. I didn't know this. Same, same thing for Sports Center. They're bringing in the real people to do this. They discuss this is West meets South. Is it a new dawn for the perennial underdog AFC Richmond? We're here at the dog track, Nelson Road Stadium. Fans are there. Everybody's having a great time. They're chanting for the team, and apparently the new team chant is wanker, wanker, wanker. Not only in the stands, but even in the pub. Everybody's on the same page when it comes to this. Um, I pub, owner, the- uh, pub owner shuts them up. Boys, give them a chance. <laughs> it works for a half second, but still everybody goes back to it. This is the yeah, new rallying cry for the team. Yeah, she's great. One thing I love is that when um, Beard's already out there first, and when Ted walks up, Beard doesn't even look at Ted, but just says, your fly's down. And he's right. <laughs> this is how well the two of them know each other. Uh, the announcers apologize for the fruity language of the wanker chant. And Ted turns to Beard and said, no, nah, we got 90 minutes to prove them wrong. And, you know... It's inspirational. Clearly, they're going to win. It's going to be great. Except they don't. They don't only really, really just lose. They get blown out. They lose four to one. That's bad in something it's not good in football. Uh, it's and it's all it's all made all the more rough for them because apparently they kicked ass against them the last time they played. So this is more of a statement on Ted. At least it could really be interpreted. Really doesn't well on Ted, and it goes back to what we're saying. I mean, you got to do a little X's and O's. Come on. Yeah, and the announcers are pretty condemning. They describe the play of the team as disjointed, uninspired, joyless. That one particularly probably really uh, hurt Ted right there. But they only they only give two bright spots. What were the two bright spots there? Well, Jamie scored a, a meaningless, terrible goal that nobody cares about. Okay, yep. well, look, we have to say it. We're contractually obligated to say that Jamie scored a goal. Wow, mm-hmm. good job. But the real crown jewel here, the little nugget that Ted can take away as a win, one small W and a sea of L's, Sam played well. Sam played well. Excellent defensive play. And you've got to credit that to Ted's efforts. That is clearly Ted's efforts at play. Man doesn't understand the sport yet. He's only, he's only able to help things around the margins. But what he's focusing on is succeeding. However, them losing is bad. It's very bad. They've fallen to 13th place. Ted doesn't know what a big deal this is and the fact they're falling down the rankings. He will learn later. Um, as part of this, um, as the team is, clust- is, the, is clustering the, in there together, we get to see a few additional moments of both the team coming to terms with their loss and Ted being a coach. I'm going to focus on the coach one first, because it's just one of my favorite scenes of the entire damn series, much less even this episode, of where Ted brings Jamie into his office for a second. And he tells Jamie, Jamie, I want to talk to you for a second. You are probably the best athlete I've ever coached. The acting by the actor who plays Jamie is brilliant. Because the moment that he says that, he immediately transitions back like 15 years. 
he becomes a little kid again. They've just he got like sits up. He mm-hmm. he like what he, he gets humble. He yeah. lo- he mumbles a little bit. He looks I, down. You know, I, He's I, I, clearly I really happy. Hard. Yeah, it, you're right. It, it it absolutely changes him. It's brilliant because it cuts through all of this, you know, superstar shit that he's been building up over once he realized that he was great. This is probably one of the few moments he's ever had somebody just give him an honest compliment like this about his performance. Maybe in years. And so we find out later with how his dad was a figure around his life when he was first getting up in the sport. He may never have gotten this degree of positive reinforcement when it came to his play, play at the sport. And so when Ted tells him this, as you said, it just shatters through all of his pompous barriers. He's just immediately humble. He's immediately just, he almost feels a little bit smaller once he's dealing with Ted. And Ted immediately just uses that moment it keeps going with, that that was a heck of a goal. You're a great player. The thing is that you're so good, though. I'm worried that because you're just a one in a million player, you forget that you're one in 11 when you're out there. And I need you, you know, to be a bit of a team player because if you're able to do that, sky's the limit. And you can just see how much this registers with Jamie. How much this just hits him. Because Jamie's always going to keep up these barriers. He's always going to keep up this just level. I don't give a fuck. I'm better than you. And once Ted just shattered those with his initial line, this just buries deep in his soul. Jamie has no comment other than just kind of like nod and just say, thanks, coach, and just walk away. I love that scene. It's just one of my favorite scenes in the episode. It really shows what a good actor Jamie is. Just the, the physical change in him when that line hits. So I just want to focus on that one first. Yep. We, we get to see a much funnier scene of the anger from Roy. Of where Roy is pissed. He's yelling at everybody else. And he turns to Nate, who's by one of the windows, and like, like expecting him, you should be angry with us. And like, oh yeah, I am. And Nate just like blind, just throws his elbow and shatters the window that's behind him. The window of the coach's room. It's a great fucking moment. It made it even better that Roy just looks at Nate and says, well done. It just walks off. It's like, I approve. But also what we know of Nate, which is like, he's not even used to management knowing his name. Mm-hmm. He probably, there's probably a large part of him that thought he was going to get fired after hitting that window. And of course we know Ted, no chance in hell that's happening, but that's like the pure panic on Nathan's face. That's why. One thing I love too, is that Ted's not part of this conversation. He's back in his office this time. from just talking with Jamie. So from his perspective, you just suddenly saw Nate just randomly shatter a window. You can even see Hilarious. him just gesturing through the window. Like, what? Why? What the hell's going on here? Yeah. What are you doing, Nate? Funny moment. Roy goes to the showers, and we see what? another effect that Ted has had. The shower properly works. I don't know about you, but a shower that is improved like that to have a steady stream of water, one of the best things ever. I can tell you, I nobody's going to call me a world-class athlete, but I do dabble a little bit in... Uh, some athletic ventures mm-hmm. uh, to the point that I have had days where I am very, very sore. Uh, and I can tell you that water pressure for a hot shower is extremely important when you have sore muscles. Like that's Absolutely. a huge thing. And the idea that like a professional sporting team wouldn't have good water pressure in their showers is like kind of crazy to me. Cause that's like the first thing they tell you when you have sore muscles is like, get some heat on it. Which is probably part of the reason that Ted was so eager to focus on it first. Cause it has not only just a practical morale effect, it has a therapeutic effect that needs to be addressed. Uh, we get to see the Welsh player also come into the shower, and uh, he wasn't as prepared for it as Roy was. <laughs> Puts his face up to it. That's hilarious. <laughs> he's buried on the ground. I love that you keep on hearing gargling noises on the ground. So he's been just clearly reduced to a puddle by this, you know, the force of this stream. Careful, lad. The gaffers fix the water pressure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ted's not done though. He wants to improve the mood. He wants the he wants the team to still come together. And so he's like, "Hey, we were doing Sam's birthday party. Let's keep doing the birthday party." 
encourages everybody to have cake. Probably a good thing anyway that they get the sugar after the match, regardless. And really tries mm-hmm. to set the move. He brings out music. He encourages everybody to start having fun. And you know what? Seems like most of the team's actually pretty receptive to it, which is interesting. Every Everyone but Jamie. Everyone but Jamie. Even Roy, he's not directly participating, but he's not judging that they're doing it. I think he's I think he's tacit support for yeah. my boy Roy. He understands what the point of this is, and it's important. We uh, go back to Rebecca, and she, unlike Ted, is reading Twitter. Twitter, you know, surprise, surprise, Twitter's not being kind to Ted. I'm just utterly flabbergasted by this. I assume that Twitter was just the bastion of positive thoughts. Yet another lesson here from Uncle Lee carried over from episode one. I'll, I'll keep it going in episode two. It'll probably continue through our coverage of season one. Everyone, anywhere. I'm talking the whole world right now. I'm, mm-hmm. not, even, I'm not being excluded. I'm not, not, not a specific group. Entire world, get off Twitter. Just everybody. Your let's all get off Twitter. So much better off. Just let's get off of it. It's mm-hmm. so toxic. And obviously, you know, Rebecca's in this this um, spiral of self-loathing loathing, and mm-hmm. she's looking for like reinforcements to her own self-loathing and that's why she's looking this crap up and it is so, so I mean like this is a funny show obviously we're, we're going for comedy but yeah. people do this in real life and it's like incredibly destructive so Twitter mm-hmm. F off like let's get off Twitter I don't think Twitter exists for any other purpose other than to do that I think that's why people go on Twitter is to do exactly what she's doing and that, as you said, it's a toxic spiral that can, you cannot escape from. Um, Rebecca said loves just how much they're ripping into Ted. Higgins is clearly less amused, particularly since Ted has arrived with cake. Because, again, they are part of the team. The team's eating cake. You guys should have some cake. And you know what? Really would appreciate it if you all come down to Just say hi to the team. And that was another moment, which you, you so skillfully pointed out earlier in your recap, of Ted having that little edge in his voice, mm-hmm. which was, yes, I'm playful, and yes, I'm suggesting this, but I really need you to do this thing. This is like this yeah. is kind of not negotiable. You well, need to get down there. It's, again, just a demonstration of Jason Jackson. He's just a wonderful actor because he's always still in Ted voice. He's always still in Ted mannerisms. But you can just really detect when the edge appears that, hey, I'm still light, but I'm not kidding. Let's, let's remember that. Um, <laughs> Rebecca is not receptive at all. Higgins, on the other hand, not only enjoys the cake, he goes down and parties. Higgins knows how to, knows how, knows how to be good Higgins time. smashes the cake in his face, starts dancing. I mean, I've, like, Higgins, pff, bravo, my friend. Bravo with the cake smash and the dancing. But Killing it. Between the Caesar you later and the cake smash and dancing, this is a man that knows how to party. Uh, Rebecca, can, we, can we bring back a segment from Neversmore and say that maybe he has best character arc? This guy, this guy wins the episode. Maybe Higgins, Higgins has pound for pound probably the best lines. Right. This is why we have our top ten man. There's going to be a fight for who's number one this time around because some Go people, Higgins. people had some good episodes this time around. Uh, Rebecca rebuffs it, just tries to again convince Ted to give her the biscuit recipe. Doesn't work. Higgins has proven useless in providing any rough, even rough equivalent to it. Well, Ted finally explains why. Like, before he just yes. ignored the question. This time he goes, well, if I did that, couldn't bring it to you next time. Yeah. Which she straight up hates, because clearly that's why Ted's doing this. And she had the misfortune of demonstrating just a, a little edge of a weakness that he could use in this regard. So, yeah, it's never stopping. Got her hostage. Uh, Jamie walks out. And Jamie, um, he's not participating, but he looks in kind of a good mood, even though he had a loss. And he's ambushed immediately by Trent. I say ambushed because Trent's waiting for him. Trent's at the door. I'm sorry. Trent Krim, the independent, independent, is waiting at the door. He immediately corners Jamie and says, hey, you know, what do you feel about the loss today? 
And Jamie, very briefly, very briefly, Ted's only had so much time to influence the man, delivers a very Ted response to that question. That, you know, it's a team, it's a team effort, clearly it was rough, but, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get better. Uh, something along those lines. It holds for a half second. He gets a couple steps away, and then he returns and says, You know what? I am pissed off. You know why I'm pissed off? Because those guys are in there just eating cake and listening to music and partying after this. He literally says, it's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. Trent is, like, flabbergasted by this. He actually thinks that Jamie's just kidding when he says this. We cut to, again, Higgins having the best time of his life in in recent years to clearly see that, no, this is just what's happening. Um, from there, Ted and Beard are walking home. They, again, Ted, Beard exits stage left. Ted again runs into the football student. Who he asks, yeah, what'd you think of the game today? Eh, you were rubbish. But she says it with a smile. And yep. then they play. They, pl- they play a bit of a game. Ted tries to steal the ball from her. It works for about a half second. But they're having fun. There's no judgment. There's no, you know, rec- rec- recriminations. They're just two people that are just having fun. And this is just the effect that Ted just has on people around him. He makes you want to just enjoy yourself that much more at what you do and whatever else. And enjoy enjoy your time around him. Person who's not having time who's not enjoying herself, though, is Rebecca, who is sitting alone in what I can just simply describe as an absolutely gorgeous kitchen. Massive yeah, gorgeous kitchen. Yeah, she whoo, got got a little got more than just the soccer team in the divorce. Yeah, yeah got, got some money apparently. Apparently, seems and she's looking very diligently, staring at the army man that Ted got her. She's just absorbed in it while the news is playing, while they're discussing affairs, while they're discussing everything else. She's got the army man in hand, and it's almost like it's a little talisman against the world. She doesn't understand it. She's not comfortable with it. But she's holding it to her while that world outside is just trying to continue throwing daggers at her. And while this is happening, she gets a call from Higgins, who has the photos. He has the photos of Ted and Keeley, and he sends them her way. And Higgins questions her. It's like, are you sure you want to do this? Because the press will eat them alive. They'll never recover from this. And it's going to have collateral damage at the wazoo, which is her intent. That's Obviously, the two of them will be run through the mud, but Jamie's going to be destroyed by it too, and this will hound him for months and years afterwards as well. The team will be shattered. It's an evilly brilliant plan on his part, but it is unethical as all hell. While she's pondering this, we see where Ted's gotten the biscuits from. The man's making them himself every day so oh. that he can bring them oh. fresh to her. Oh, God, With what a little a detail. sprinkle, I think, of sugar on top, too. Hits you in the heart. Hits with, you right in the heart. With the apron and everything. This is the, just the craft that is Ted Lasso. Of course he does. Of course he's making the cookies. The news is playing, as said, with about Rupert's new old squeeze. And as that's blaring away, as Rebecca's sitting there alone with the little talisman in hand, she tells Higgins, pull the trigger, release the photos, and just chucks the army man away. And we see spiral away on the tile of the kitchen, and the episode ends there. On what is... This is an episode of ups and downs, but man, is an ending on a down moment. Oh, very tough ending there. Bad look from Rebecca, but 
you know, I love the I love how they hit you from both multiple angles, right? It's like Rebecca's making this terrible decision and oh, let's pile on. Let's pile on, folks. Ted makes the cookies every night at his house. And, but you know, one, one of the things that makes it all the worse, too, is that you can see in that moment as she's holding that thing and feels the need to throw away how much it meant to her that he gave her that. Just that one little army man sitting at the desk with just the little intent of he came to check on her, see if she's okay, and gave her just a little kind gesture to say, hey, here's something to just help, you know, keep, keep away the bad guys. And how much that clearly meant to her in that moment that she's holding it there with her and has to cast it off as she, you know, throws Ted and Keeley and Jamie and the team under the bus when she does this. Still shows what effect he had on her, even if it didn't stick, and even if she's still deciding what, in the, at least in this moment, is more important to her. Okay. That is the end of the recap. Bravo, Spencer. Good job in the recap for there. We are done with the recap. We will go now to our segments. We will start with the Sports Center Top 10. So, if you're unfamiliar with the segment, it's basically the top 10 things we want to point out in the episode. We will, let's start, let's start not with number one. Let's just basically do everything else but number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'll start. Okay, please. Um, with our sports center top 10. Um, I'm just going to start with um, the way that Keely um, dismisses caffeinated vodka. We kind of touched on <laughs> it in the recap, but I truly enjoyed that they threw that. Like, I think that the whoever, like, it was Jason Sudeikis, whoever was writing this, like, mm-hmm. obviously thinks that that whole phenomenon is it stupid. Is shit. And it was just a, it was just a way to like dismiss it, throw it on the bus. Keely uh, also gave her some some clout in my eyes. That um, yeah, she's kind of in on the joke, right? She's doing the she's doing the modeling, she's getting the paycheck, but she realizes this is a stupid product. I'm going to do another Keely one just to pair with that one. Keely again reaffirms this episode that she is the grand dame of entrances. Girl knows how to walk into a room or arrive in a parking lot and just make every eye drawn to her. In this case, her just peel up tire squeal in that car to ask about lions versus pandas. <laughs> Incredibly memorable and wonderful scene. She also acts as if that, like, if you know Keely Jones, mm-hmm. that's just something you're going to have in your life. Occasionally, oh, yeah. she's going to peel in in her sports car and ask you a question like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm all in for that, by the way. Uh, I'm, I'll sign up for that friend. Damn straight. Um, I will go with the fact that they got blown out by a team they just beat. This is a terrible reflection on Ted. Mm-hmm. Awful. It should be nothing but an L. It should, he should be on his way out. But Sam played better. I think that tells you, that gives you the little bit of nugget of how he's going to make this work, which is I'm going to connect with these people on a personal level, and that is going to create motivation they've never had before. Sam's never had that motivation while playing in London, right? He's homesick. He doesn't feel connected to his team. Ted recognizes this. He fixes it, and in fixing it, he fixes Ted's per, or Sam's performance. And I think that that is a a little window into how he's going to try to do this thing and maybe be successful going forward. Absolutely, and a pair with that as well. Just again, the, the, among the other small victories we see Ted commit, even after this horrible loss, a, a, just a utterly deflating loss, he gets the team to celebrate and party together at the end for another teammate. They're eating cake. They're listening to music. And even after, you know, the game's over, some of them are walking away, it seems like most of the team is still in the walking room having fun together. That's a success even on a loss, and that needs to be given to account of. Also, as I said, fixing the water pressure was important and well done, and I'm looking forward to what the snacks are going to be next time around, too. Okay. Um, 
next on my sports center top 10 the outro song of the episode i didn't know what it was glad all over by the dave clark five yes i'm a glad all over ah. baby i'm a glad all over. yep great beatles knockoff a very very solid beatles copycat one hit wonder knockoff if you're uh if you like the beatles uh you'll enjoy the dave clark five <laughs> um going into what my actual top part of the list is but one just last one Biscuits with the Boss is not only wonderful branding, it's a genius idea for bonding with your ownership, which as a manager you should be doing anyway. Plus he views her part of the team, plus he just wants to get to know her anyway because she thinks she's a nice person and good to know. And it's a genius way to do it. The fact that he makes them personally every day for her is just lovely and wonderful and so Ted. Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready for my number one. Give me the number one, man. Higgins smashing cake. Like he's never eaten cake before, doing the full body wiggle slide. Oh yeah, arms flailing, hips hips down, knees. Or oh, Higgins getting it, smashing that cake and getting it. Uh, Higgins, uh, world class performance. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed the actor really committing to the bit too. So shout out to the actor. It was very very funny physical comedy. Uh, really enjoyed that. That's my number one of the week. Uh- Honorable mention for me, and then my number one. Honorable mention, Ted commanding the room with the journalists. How much improved he was from last episode, and how much better he was in dealing with the room when he wasn't jet-lagged and trying to drink fizzy water. It really shows that he's experienced at doing this. It yeah. was That was very much a one-off moment. And they were very responsive to him, and clearly starting to even maybe like him a little bit, or at least like the lines he's doing. But my winner of the episode, I already said it, scene with Ted and Jamie. One of the best scenes in the entire, se- in the entire season. Great moment, great acting, profound effect and understanding of another person and how to influence them. Kudos to both that scene, the craft, and even just what it says about what eventual effect Ted is going to have on Jamie as a person and a player. Okay, that wraps up our Sports Center Top 10. We will now transition to Train Wreck of the Week. Spencer, do you have nominees for Train Wreck of the Week? Thoughts on the segment? <sighs> this is, it, because this I, is, I've got one, but I, I, you know. I want to hear yours first, if you, if you, if you, want, to, if you want everyone to start. Yeah, I will. I mean, I think it's Rebecca. Um, I think that the, the the shame spiral on social media that she's going through, um, the like the push-pull that she has about her role there, which is so evident in that conversation with Keely, where she's like, Panda or Lion? And she's like, I'm too good for this. I'm done. What does she do? She turns around. She gets sucked back into the conversation. It's clear she's not even comfortable with where her position is socially with these folks, where it is in the organization, what her role is going to be. She's all over the place. And we get more of that in that last scene, right? Where she's looking at the army men. She's clearly touched. She's conflicted. She doesn't know what to do, but she looks, she sees their husband. She wants to hurt her husband. Yeah, let's do it. Let's hurt Ted in the process. I think Rebecca is conflicted, shame riddled, struggling in a bad, bad, bad mental place here in this episode. Um, so uh, she gets the train wreck of the week. But the good news for Rebecca, though, the light at the end of the tunnel is that if you are in a bad place psychologically, if you're feeling bad about yourself, you're making some decisions that maybe you're going to regret later. No better lieutenant to have than Ted Lasso. He will bring you out of it, my friend. Yeah, that's, that's such a great call. I, I was really pondering who to do. because Really, honestly, even though they lose, even though there's some rough moments, even though Ted shows some weaknesses as a coach, or at least weaknesses at his current position as a coach, it's still a pretty up episode for most of the characters because that's just the power of Ted. Rebecca seems like the good choice. That not only does she have a rough... Oh, the roughest moments for Rebecca are always when she's alone. And she seems like she just has because of... 
Well, it's a natural tendency of depression to want to be alone, but whenever she's by herself, she gets worse. She gets wrapped up in herself and her own pain and her own difficulties. And it just becomes all that more difficult for her. And she spends a lot of this episode alone, and it gets that much more painful for her because of it. Yeah, Rebecca's clearly dealing with some serious psychological issues here associated with her divorce and the cheating of the husband, right? Yeah. And that's what I say. Like, if you, you're in that spot, you know, the, the stars are aligning for her because her lieutenant, the man that she just plucked randomly from the, the Division II NCAA, she happens to have just a ray of sunshine. And I think he's going to, my prediction going forward, I think he's going to help her with it. One of the things I also love about the show is that Rebecca is going to be our train wreck. She is going to be our villain for a lot of these episodes just because of the arc that she's on. But she's never not sympathetic. Agreed. She is, you always, it's always one of the things of where you want better for her. You want her to be able to overcome her demons, get beyond it, rather than condemning her for them or even necessarily condemning her for, for, even if you can condemn her actions, you don't condemn her as much or at least not as inclined to do so. But I think through the character of Rebecca, the show is telling you what it's going to be, right? Because they say they present the villain and the villain is sympathetic. Basically, what the show is telling you is that we are going to give you no truly evil characters. This is going to be a situation. Maybe one. Yeah, not not really. I mean, everybody's going to have some level of redeeming quality uh, in them. Um, and, and opportunities for redemption, right? And, and mm-hmm. story arcs where, where people are uh, you know, growing. And, and it's just not going to be a show that's going to give you pain and evil without redemption arcs. And they just, they, they establish that from Jump Street, right? Here's Damn our villain, strange. but guess what? You're still going to like our villain because this is meant to be a show that makes you feel good at the end of it. Well, with that just kind of philosophical treatise on what the purpose of the show is and what effect it has on its watchers, tell me, sir, what were the Ted Lasso philosophical points of this episode? Life lessons with Ted for episode two. All right, you ready for them? I got four this week. Damn straight. If you're going to be a team, you have to create ways to get to know each other. Those opportunities Mm. don't just happen. They're not random. You have to create them. Damn straight. Damn it's, your, it's your responsibility to create them, to well, get to know each other, to be a team. And you being a manager, you told me before about what a challenge that can be and how important that is to, fall, to actually put together a team unit. It is. A, the, you know, the, you, that, that cohesiveness that comes from people establish, get, be, getting connections within the team, right? All those little, little connections uh, that people have with each other as they go. Those things don't just happen. The, those things have to be created. Uh, And so if the onus is on you, folks, that's the life lesson. The onus is on you. Next is never miss an opportunity to tell a hard but necessary truth. Mm -hmm. That is the scene you have with Jamie Mm -hmm. that you enjoyed so much. And that is absolutely solid advice. There have been so many moments in my life of where I dodged the opportunity just to, to deliver the truth that needed to be delivered and regret it since. It's once you see that moment, you have to seize it. Never miss an opportunity to tell a hard but necessary truth. The next one. This is just makes me feel so good inside when I see it on the screen. Always be kind to children. The way Ted interacts with that schoolgirl, yeah. that might be that might in a show in a show full of feel good moments. That might be the most feel good of any of the moments. Yeah. That that little bond that he has with her, and how they take a take five seconds or twenty seconds or whatever a day to just 
bat the soccer around with each other. I love how the show always comes back to, I would even call her a tertiary character, but I love how it keeps coming back to tertiary characters. There is a cast, there are a set collection of people in this community, and we're going to keep bringing them all back in various other ways. And so the fact that he keeps playing with her over the course of the season, the fact that friggin' Busker returns in one of the later episodes, it's, it's quality crafting of the overall set of the show. Next. Paying attention to lower performing team members is one of the fastest way to improve overall performance. So um, when you when you have a team, team needs to all function together to achieve a collective goal. If you can find the person who is the lowest performing person and and work on them, that might be one of the fastest way to lift all boats. That might be the fastest way to lift everybody's boats and increase overall team performance. And I think that's what Ted is doing with Sam. Mm-hmm. He he established who's our weak link here at Sam. Why is he why is he our weak link? Okay, that's something I can fix. Right. And in fixing it, I might just fix the whole defense, right? Because he's the weak part. And, and and the thing I can fix element is really key because he looked at Sam and was like, well, what's his problem? Ah, his stats are down. But why? And realizing the why, he realized, okay, that's manageable. That's something we can deal with. That's something we can address. That's something that they can have an immediate response. And boy, howdy did it. Yeah, that's Life Lessons with Ted for the week. Good call, man. Good selection one, right there. One thing I want to point out, though, Jamie, uh, calling himself Mick Jagger and then calling Roy Keith Richards. Uh, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, same age. So, yeah, he's in the <laughs> Yes, this is true. Keith Richards, at least for a period there, looked like he was uh, wielding those years a lot rougher than Mick did. But, you know. Yeah, same age. So, whatever. All right. So, that wraps up our coverage of episode two titled Biscuits of Ted Lasso. Spencer, any concluding thoughts of episode two as we launch into episode three and the rest of the season? This is honestly the episode that really got me into the show. The first episode was solid. First episode was good. Was, was good television. I enjoyed it. This is the episode of like, I know what you're going for now. I got a hint at the end of the last episode, but I know what you're doing now, and I'm all about it. I don't see this enough on television. I want to see more of it. Absolutely. You know the moment. This is also the episode that got me. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked the pilot. As we established, the pilot was very good. It did not make me think like, oh, this is going to be a show that like I'm going to be sucked into. The Spencer and I are going to do on the pods like. I didn't get that until episode two. And I'll tell you the moment. It's when I sat up in my chair and went, oh, okay, fuck. All right, Uh, you got me. When we see that he cooks the biscuits. (sighs) Yeah. That was the moment that got me. So yeah, episode two, we give it high high marks. I think it establishes a very high bar that I'm going to go ahead, spoiler alert, and tell you, I think the rest of the season hits. So I am excited to go through the rest of the season. I think... Um, you know, this, this, this episode really, uh, increases in quality. Not that, not that the pilot was bad, but it does increase in quality. And I think we continue from there. I don't think it, I don't, I don't think it dips is what I'm saying. So I agree. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to do further episodes. Uh, but until then, Spencer, I've enjoyed doing episode two here with you. We will be back next week. We release these every Tuesday. We will be back next week with episode three of Ted Lasso. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate and review. Uh, go to uh, mangumtalks.com click contact us we love to hear from you we appreciate you listening we'll be back next week with episode 3 thank you see you then